JohnPielli.com by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passionate Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, a handful of stuff we're going to get into today in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. Took a couple weeks off. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a reformatting of the show, the podcast that's available on Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon Music. We'll also feature interviews that I'm going to get back into doing with MLB players. Now, my my issue and the reason that I kind of got away from doing the interviews is that whole boring, hey, you played in the major leagues for you know, a couple of years, you know, a long time. How did you get there? What happened while you were there? It became kind of redundant and mundane. And to just do the same thing over and over again, I didn't feel like I was contributing much to it. Now, I'm going to pick different things that happen that tell kind of good stories and those will be the type of interviews I uh, pursue going forward. So thinking about opening day, uh, baseball season has started again. The changes to the rules are kind of something that I'm considering boycotting. I I don't see why there's any reason why I should have to watch an extra inning baseball game that starts with a runner at second base. I have no interest in a seven inning doubleheader as an alternative to a nine inning game. And I do want to get into a little bit talking about the quarterbacks when it comes to college and the value and probably the overvalue because teams really look at every top quarterback in each draft as the next star. And how many of them actually do become stars? We saw Sam Darnold get traded from the Jets to the Panthers. Now, is Sam Darnold's career over by any stretch of the imagination? No, of course not. But somebody who was considered to be the best quarterback in the draft probably doesn't look that way anymore. Is Sam Darnold better than Lamar Jackson? Probably not. Is Sam Darnold better than Baker Mayfield? Eh. I kind of put that proverbial gun to my head, and I probably take Baker Mayfield. He's certainly not better than Josh Allen. All things that were were not common thoughts when it came to the the draft. You know, you draft. You know, these you watch these players drafted, and you you all of a sudden think that they're going to be the next Peyton Manning, the next Tom Brady, the next you know whatever. However many quarterbacks you you want to have, but. In the end, the majority of them fail. The majority of them are not what you expect. So we will touch on that in a little bit. But the first thing I wanted to get into, and you think of baseball and all sports in that matter, are kind of a sanctuary to keep the average person's mind distracted when it comes to the the daily things of life. You know, you have things that aren't going right, you may not want to think about it. Uh, The news is always negative. Politics is thrown in people's face. Things that you want to, you may not want to always get away from. I I do. I I have no interest in it whatsoever. But 
you know, if you want to take a break from it, we kind of go to the world of sports, whether sports, your sport is baseball or football or any type of sport that you enjoy. It does provide that sanctuary to take you away from, you know, things, things that you just don't want to hear about or you want to just take a break from dealing with the normal bullshit. And baseball to me is my sanctuary when I don't want to think of crap, whether it's work related, whether it's things that aren't going right. I go to baseball to watch a baseball game and we, we do silly things because it almost creates like this fantasy world. Like I care when it comes to my favorite team, where the, whether they win or lose to a point where it's going to impact my emotions. Now those emotions are irrelevant when it comes to life, but it's, it's extremely positive because it allows me personally to be distracted from it. Now, what am I getting into? Obviously the mix of everyday life in the sports, which people have obsessions with politics and whether they, they are clamoring over what they believe is right and wrong and think that that's so much more powerful than anybody else. I feel I have the right to not want to listen to it, to not want to be involved in it. And to honestly say that I could care less about what happens in any given law or anything that's set up. I have no interest. I care about people, but I don't want to be divided by politics. Baseball has chosen to divide itself when it comes to politics. They've decided to move this year's All-Star game because of a political reason. And I'm not going to get into whether the reason's right or wrong. I don't care about what side of the spectrum you're on. I don't care about what domestic terrorist group in the United States of America you particularly support because you're all terrorists. If you root for the Republicans or the Democrats, you are a terrorist. Admit it. Admit that you're a terrorist right now. If you're a political fan, you are a terrorist. Congratulations. I don't want terrorism involved in my sports. You take an all-star game that was supposed to be special this year. Hank Aaron passed away last offseason. How fitting would it be to have a celebration of how great of a player Hank Aaron was and his impact on baseball for everything that he was about and contributed on the field and off the field? How much more special could you have an all-star game than having it in Atlanta where you could celebrate the life and the impact of Hank Aaron. Baseball decides, hey, we, we want to go politics. Like I said, I'll substitute the word terrorism for politics because you, the majority of the people listening and watching, are terrorists. We have hundreds of millions of domestic terrorists in our own country. And you're probably one of them. Congratulations. God, it pisses me off. You think of sports as the sanctuary, which I want. I want to be distracted from all the mundane bullshit. And now you're going to throw terrorism in my sanctuary, which is my ability to go out there and watch a sport. So thank you. Instead of celebrating Hank Aaron's impact on baseball, we're going to be divided 
over people's opinions of voting rights one way or the other. Hank Aaron will be forgotten about when it comes to the All-Star Game this year. So congratulations. You and the divided nation that you want to support in this country are responsible for it. Republicans and Democrats are responsible for it. And I think it's disgusting. The Atlanta Braves are essentially being held responsible for what has happened here. The Braves are the reason why there's some issue in Georgia with trying to change the voting laws and whether people agree or disagree with it and whether they think it's right or wrong. Now it's become a baseball issue and the Braves are solely responsible for it. Blame the Atlanta Braves. And obviously I don't mean that, but that's the way it certainly comes out. They care enough about politics and that's what they want to make it about and congratulations they they've done that and i think it's a, an embarrassment to everything that the all-star game is moved for a reason that has nothing to do with baseball and do it on the heels of the death of one of the great players to ever play in a game and one of the great icons and representations and ambassadors of a sport that has lasted over 150 years. And you honor his life by taking an all-star game out of the respective city that was supposed to have it that year. So thank you, Major League Baseball. Thank you for throwing politics in my face again when I have no interest in it. And thank you for dishonoring the history of the game and the accomplishments of one of the greatest to ever play. This brings up another important topic. Baseball, as opposed to other sports, has had the ability to govern itself and is exempt from antitrust exemptions. And basically... Congress and the United States laws and government can't come in to demand that baseball does anything. In other words, the laws of the country of the United States of America don't apply to baseball, which is given the right to govern itself. Now, this is something that has happened, is, it's been brought up for many different reasons. There, it, it started going back to the old Federal League in 1914 and 1915, being brought up as a competitive league to go up against the American and National League. And remember, you're talking 1914, you're only 13 years, 14 years removed from the beginning of the American League, which started in 1901. So there's two major leagues at this point, the National League and the American League, the National League going back to 1876. And the American League, which has started in 19-1, the Federal League trying to become competition, the third major league. And their owners of those teams were willing to pay the players more money to kind of create a competition, an alternative. You want to leave the National League or American League, maybe try this Federal League, this third league that's created to be competition for the two leagues that are already there. Now, you understand 
how the antitrust exemptions come in. And, you know, you think of the Federal Baseball Club of Baltimore versus the National League, which waited all the way until 1922, long after the Federal League had already folded. Now, monopolies, as they exist, are not a good thing for any business. You, you don't want to have just one form of something. You want to give somebody else the ability to create it in their own mind and maybe do a better job with it. And that applies to everything. But as you think of sports and the amount of major leagues you have, you want to have, you know, 20 different major leagues. The decision that was come up to in this Supreme Court case was that baseball should have the right to govern itself. Now, it's something that almost 100 years later, we're still talking about why Baseball has the ability to govern itself while football, basketball, hockey, and any other sport doesn't. And once again, baseball makes the decision to go out of bounds. And remember, you talk about how players are asked to stick to sports. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't believe that that's something that has to happen. I don't believe that... If you're an athlete, you should just talk about sports or just involve yourself in sports. If you want to be involved in a community, if you want to run for office, you know, while you're playing, I think it's kind of hard to hold a political office and be an active player. So I would expect at some point you'd have to choose one over the other. But, you know, you think of Bill Bradley, who was a good NBA player, obviously a champion for the New York Knicks, ends up being a what is what, is, what was he in, in New Jersey, a senator, a congressman? There's no reason why somebody can't involve themselves in something that doesn't have to do with sports. But now we're, we're asking sports, should sports stick to sports? And this becomes a difficult topic because you think of things that happen. We obviously want to make sure that we're all inclusive. You know, Kim Eng becomes the first female general manager in Major League Baseball. There's female coaches. You know, we're thinking about all these positive things that are good for everybody. But how far do you go with it? Do you get to a point where you want a sport to stick to sports? Or should a sport have the right to go political or take a stance when it comes to politics? And you think of sports, whether it's the NFL and uh, Washington football team's decision to move the nickname Redskins from their team, the Cleveland Indians in baseball's decision to go with a nickname other than the Indians, perhaps the Braves and the Chiefs and other teams with similar nicknames will consider some sort of change down the road. And that could be considered a good thing. But once again, how far do you go with it? Do you think there's enough people's feelings that are hurt that Major League Baseball feels like they made the right stance by moving the All-Star game? And once again, the only people that are penalized are the fans of the Atlanta Braves, Major League Baseball in general, the Atlanta Braves organization, and most importantly, Henry Aaron, the great Hank Aaron, Hammer and Hank, 715th home run that he hit to break Babe Ruth's record. In a lot of people's mind, the all-time home run king. 3,771 hits. 755 home runs. 
one of the greatest players to ever play. And we lost him within the last year. And how nice would it have been, once again, to have the All-Star game played in Atlanta this year. But we move it, and Major League Baseball and the commissioner makes the decision to move the game from Atlanta for a reason that had nothing to do with baseball. And once again, you're talking about sports, and you're talking about life. Yes, there's many instances where they are to be intertwined. There's things that happen in life that impact sports. But once again, you use not only baseball and sports as a sanctuary, but almost as a fantasy world to live in. For three hours or however long you're watching a game, you're distracted from anything else you could think about in life that's impacting you in either a positive or a negative way. In a lot of cases, your emotions are dictated by whether a team succeeds or doesn't succeed. And if you think about the basics of it, it doesn't impact real life. Once the game's over, you go back to real life. I don't want anything that doesn't have anything to do with the sport thrown in my face while I'm trying to distract myself from that. You got the extra inning rule where there's going to be a runner at second base. I've made the vow. I will not watch a game on television. I will leave a game that I'm in in person before that runner jogs out to second base that didn't earn the right to be there. Now, does that hit baseball in the pocket? No. Nobody cares if I turn off my television. Nobody cares if I leave whatever ballpark I'm in. I already paid to be there in the first place. Seven inning double headers. I'll throw a little silly story here. Anybody that knows me knows about my quest to go to opening day, which started by paying for some overpriced tickets for the Washington Nationals home opener, which was the first game for the New York Mets. That game obviously was postponed due to positive tests when it came to the coronavirus of the Washington Nationals players. Which, by the way, amongst players that were probably positive were John Lester, Kyle Schwarber, Josh Bell, Patrick Corbin, Brad Hand, and amongst others, Jan Gomes, and I call all these players out because baseball, for whatever reason, doesn't do what other sports do by just simply saying, hey, these are the players that tested positive. You feel like it. I don't know if it's a thing done by the Players Association. Maybe they're overdoing it. We know it's still the strongest union in the entire country. They're protecting the rights or the names of the players. But, you know, <clears throat> more than likely... Somebody that tests positive is going to be on that list. Now you say, oh, well, maybe they were just a close contact of somebody that tested positive. And you create that dispute and leave it up to the player to admit whether they tested positive or not. How come in other sports, Cam Newton tests positive? It's not an unidentified New England Patriots player. It's Cam Newton. Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus. It wasn't an unnamed Utah Jazz player. But baseball, we want to do it differently. 
And it makes me, once the play, you find out the players that are put on the list, the injured list, because of something in regards to the protocols, I want to call out that so-and-so players tested positive for the coronavirus. That's neither here nor there. Talking about seven-inning doubleheaders. I paid more money than I should have for an opening day ticket to go to Washington, D.C., the Washington Nationals are kind enough to say, well, we're going to make up that game as the first game of a scheduled doubleheader. But the doubleheader is going to only be seven innings long. So I paid for an opening day ticket, and I'm not going to see opening day. I'm going to see a middle season game for the price of what I paid for opening day. And on top of it, I can't even see a full nine inning game. You're going to play a seven-inning baseball game that I paid opening day ticket price for instead of nine innings. So thank you. I mean, could you at least offer me tickets to both games at a doubleheader? Considering I paid an exorbitant price for opening day tickets? Ran over. There's no reason. No reason they should be forced to watch a seven-inning baseball game. There's no reason you should be forced to watch a game determined with a runner at second base for no reason. And this, unless it's proven otherwise, are changes to the game that are brought by a commissioner that is not competent for the job that he has. And how long as a baseball fan are you, are you willing to accept that? How long are you willing to accept a commissioner who has decided that he wants to make the game all about himself to a point where he wants to change the rules to the game that you have known and loved? And you can't hit him in the pocket. Like I said, you're at that game that happens to be tied after nine innings. You already paid for admission. You've watched that game up to a point. You've already followed it on television or radio or listened to it on the radio. It's just a joke. Another thing, you think of free agent catchers this past offseason. And I'm not going to state the obvious. JT Realmuto, by a mile, was the best catcher available on a free agent market. He's the cleanup batter for the Philadelphia Phillies. And probably one of the one of the reasons that the Phillies have a chance to maybe overachieve. The expectations are not so high, mostly because of the other teams in the division. There's a lot of love going for the Mets this year. The Nationals are expected to be better once they get through this coronavirus thing. And the Braves uh, look like they're in a position to defend their National League East championship from last year. The Marlins made the playoffs. A lot of people are still expecting the Marlins to finish in fifth place. The Phillies, a lot of people are looking at the Phillies as a fourth best team in that division. But I think one of the reasons they have or possibilities they have to overachieve is because of their catcher. JT Realmuto is the best catcher in baseball. I don't know who was trying to push the narrative that James McCann was anywhere close to on the level of JT Realmuto. And I'm going to let a little time go by, but I'm looking for a reason 
to try to say that, hey, maybe James McCann's on the rise. Maybe he's going to become a perennial all-star catcher. You hear about his leadership, which, by the way, I'm going to take a shot at the leadership, too. What gives James McCann the right to hold other players accountable? You're looking at a guy for five years played as an offensive player below replacement level with the Detroit Tigers. Is not one of the top catchers in all of baseball. Comes in, signs a four-year contract with the Mets that could look as if it was one of the worst contracts ever signed. And he's going to go tell Mets players what to do. He's going to be a leader on this team. You know what? how you lead a team? By performance. You go out there and win games for your team. And I'm going to look at the Philadelphia Phillies and JT Real Muto. We could argue that whether he was worth six years in a contract or not. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. Is he a better catcher than James McCann right now? The answer is yes. And it's not even close. It isn't even close right now. When you're talking about how good a catcher is in Major League Baseball, both offensively and defensively. James McCann is no better than a number eight hitter. But once again, Mets fans are so distracted by the fact that they have a new owner that they don't realize that their possibility of making the playoffs could be hindered because they made the wrong decision at catcher. And they're allowing this team to be a leader. Brandon Nimmo or any other player of the Mets shouldn't be listening to James McCann. What has he accomplished over the course of his career that gives him the right to be able to tell a player on the Mets what to do? What's the best way to lead? By example. And if James McCann goes out there and hits, then he gets more of an ability to be a leader. If he performs, if he's an all-star, if he's leading the team to victory, these are all things that add to leadership value. And he doesn't have that right now. I can't look at James McCann and say he's a leader of the New York Mets. I don't care what any reporter says. I don't care what any fan says. And he's never going to be as good as JT Real Muda. So I pretty much covered everything I wanted to. Now I could get into a little bit of NFL talk. Man, you're looking at these teams fighting each other, stumbling over each other when it comes to trying to get themselves a quarterback in this upcoming draft. And this bothers me. It does. It frustrates me because I look at this and you watch how many teams decide to make mistakes. A lot of mistakes. Like I said, we talked about Sam Darnold at the beginning of the program. Sam Darnold was considered by a lot of people the best quarterback in that draft. And not even to be disputed. 
he fell to the Jets at number three, and it looked like the Jets were given the biggest gift. Well, just th- over three years later, the Jets trade him to the Carolina Panthers, and yes, they get a second and a fourth in next year's draft, but only get a sixth-round pick in this year's draft because the Jets own the number two pick, and they can't wait to get their next quarterback, which in their minds is likely to be Zach Wilson of BYU. Now, what makes Zach Wilson so much better than Sam Donald? Well, a lot of it has to do with the contract situation. As Sam Darnold's entering year, what, year four? So they got to make the decision on a fifth-year option. Getting close to the time where Sam Darnold is probably going to be paid. So if you draft a quarterback out of college and you get anything comparable to what Sam Darnold gave the Jets over the last three years, then you're saving an awful lot of money, allowing yourself to address different needs of your respective team. I look at the San Francisco 49ers who traded up from number 12 to get up to number three so they can likely take either Mac Jones or Trey Lance. And if you listen to the people that claim to know a lot about football, you hear that it's probably going to be Mac Jones. They still got Jimmy Garoppolo. Are you going to play Mac Jones with Garoppolo sitting or play Garoppolo another year while Mac Jones gets used to playing? We know how it's going to turn out. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be somewhere else probably next year, if not immediately. But the question that begs is, what's the obsession with these quarterbacks? When are are we going to go, and I hate to use this because it doesn't, I don't like the way it, it comes out, but go the opposite direction and try to get value at other positions. You look at the wide receivers in this coming year's draft. You think of Devonta Smith of Alabama, and you think of a lot of the other receivers that are going to be pretty good. You think of uh, Jamar Chase from uh, LSU. And it is, it's a quarterback in a receiver's game. You need somebody on the other end to catch the ball, obviously. Edge rushers and offensive linemen, you know, are going to, be very much valued at the beginning of any draft, but you want to be sure on your quarterback. The Jacksonville Jaguars, barring injury, are hitting 100% of a slam dunk when they're taking Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. He's probably the best quarterback prospect since probably Andrew Luck. But are you guaranteeing yourself, Zach Wilson, with the Jets that he is going to lead the Jets to the promised land? He could. The Jets, obviously, if you're a Jets fan, you're not very confident when it comes to drafting anybody. The Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule, Robbie Anderson, and now Sam Darnold. I'd be pretty excited if I'm I'm a Panthers fan this year. You get the decision this year to make on Sam Darnold whether you want to except the fifth-year option, which I think you do at this point. You're probably going to trade Teddy Bridgewater after one season. And the Jets, well, good luck with Zach Wilson. And maybe and maybe he turns out to be good. But I don't know if you're necessarily looking for a quarterback that you draft with the number two overall pick to be good. You want them to be great. You want them to be elite. Right? 
I don't know. Once again, this is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, glad to be with you. A little bit of a recap of the show. Spoke about, is it the Braves' fault that there's this issue in Georgia over voting rights and restrictions? Should sports at any point become a political discussion? You know my answer on that. And what what better way, and obviously I'm being sarcastic when I say this, what better way to honor one of the greats in the history of the game after they passed away within the last year by taking the all-star game away from the very team that he played for? Thanks, Major League Baseball. Thanks, Commissioner Manfred. And while we're thanking the commissioner so sarcastically, and I can't think of a worse commissioner in baseball history. Bud Selig looks like Babe Ruth. He, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll talk about somebody that I just spoke about. Bud Selig seems like Hank Aaron compared to Commissioner Manfred. Seven inning doubleheaders, runners starting at second base in extra innings. And once again, you as a fan, you're forced, even if you don't want to watch it, it's not going anywhere. Antitrust exemption. Is that something that allowed for baseball to make this type of decision on its own? What does baseball have to do with the state of Georgia and anything that they choose to do within their own state, whether it's right or wrong? Like I said, I don't care about what domestic terrorist group you support, whether you're Republican or Democrat. What does that have to do with baseball? And that's the issue that I have. You take an all-star game away from Atlanta, you're doing nothing but penalizing the Atlanta Braves as an organization. You're doing nothing but penalizing the fans of the Atlanta Braves that were looking forward to having an all-star game in their city with their new ballpark this year. It's an embarrassment. JT Real Muto is better than James McCann. In case you didn't know that already. You're supposed to know that because it's common knowledge. You look at the track record of Real Muto. You look at what he provides for the Philadelphia Phillies, both offensively and defensively. He was the better free agent signing. And I'm going to have a hard time if James McCann doesn't all of a sudden become something that he's not. He doesn't have a track record to be anywhere near what JT Realmuto was. He's got a lot of ground to make up. And the last thing I want to hear from James McCann is how he's trying to be a leader and telling other Mets players what they should do. What has James McCann accomplished in his career that gives him the right to be a leader or a boss on that team? Last thing. How many teams that are drafting second, third, and fourth in the NFL draft, whether it's the Jets and their obsession with Zach Wilson, who they're likely going to take with the number two overall pick. Mac Jones, who's likely going to the San Francisco 49ers, who traded up from 12 to three, giving up future assets for their quote-unquote quarterback of the future. And who is going to have the number four pick? Is it going to be the Atlanta Falcons? Are they going to draft Trey Lance? 
Are they going to go with Matt Ryan as their quarterback and trade down? Which they probably will because there's enough teams obsessed with quarterbacks. Remember, the Chicago Bears traded so, so much to move up to the number two overall pick to take Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is not that good. Mitch Trubisky, as he's sitting on the bench for the Buffalo Bills backing up Josh Allen, was not a good investment to move up in the draft to take number two overall. How many teams are going to make that mistake again? How many teams are going to make that mistake next year? Is the NFL and teams that struggle, which by the way, there's the same handful of teams that are always in the top five when it comes to their draft pick. And maybe it's drafting philosophy. Maybe you take the best player available instead of obsessing over a quarterback. Maybe you take that left tackle that's going to be there for the next 10 years. Maybe you take that edge rusher that's going to get to the quarterback and make it easier for your offense by their dominant play on defense. Maybe you take that wide receiver that's going to be on the other side making plays when it may not matter as much where your quarterback is. But you're still going to take that overvalued college quarterback that more than likely is not going to be a star. As always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. The Passball Show can be followed, whether it's YouTube, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Pielli. We're back with you next week. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.